congratulations to the Navy midshipmen. winners of the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy, the great Air Force All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Against All Enemies podcast. It has been a while, everybody. So, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year, whatever you guys celebrate. It's been like a month. Um, so, how's I just celebrate. Doing? I celebrate bowl winning season. Yeah, it was. If you celebrate that, then you got a you got a good one. We got two good ones, so for sure. Um, how's everybody doing then? Everybody good? Yeah, yeah doing great. Pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Awesome, awesome. Well, it's been uh, we haven't talked since we. Uh... I sh- I, I'm sorry. I said oh, yeah because I'm conditionally just you know that's what the American societal response when someone asks you like how you doing. You're like, oh, yeah. good, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I guess I'll get this off my chest. We just had a meal. We had a an anniversary dinner, and it was a gift card that we got for an anniversary a year ago. So we had to use it because it was only good for like a year. So I had to spend a hundred dollars at some restaurant of some food I have never heard of in my entire life. And I would never spend a hundred dollars on and it included eating octopus. Uh, and the meal I got, the guy was like, you know, there's no meat in that. And I was, I was like, I, it's fine. Like I have no idea what any of this stuff is. So I'll just take it. And so I was wondering like me, I could probably for a hundred dollar gift card, have plenty of good steaks at Outback and call it good. But instead, I had to spend 106 I mean, I only spent $6, but $100 at this place. I don't know if any of you have ever experienced that before, but it was not good. Like, trying to figure out how to spend $100 at a restaurant where the food was not something you'd ever eat. Was it probably octopus was, good? was no. small small oh. portions, too, right? Like, at those places, usually, like, tiny portions, or was it big portions? The portion size actually wasn't terrible, but, like, the appetizer, it was all, like, ceviche, and then we picked something that wasn't. And it was supposed to be, it was like these potato cakes with chicken, with potato cakes with octopus, and potato cakes with shrimp. But it was all like salad based. So it was shrimp salad, chicken salad. It was all cold. Not not what I should have picked, I guess. Well, for next year, I'm going to get you an anniversary gift card to the Scott Lopez. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, he's been he's been quiet over here. He's the he's the, the chef. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I've been doing some interesting things. I made some. I make pastrami every year, so that's a, a big process. So I made a take a brisket, brine it for about a week, ten days, and then uh, just smoke it off. So that was delicious. Um, I will say I'm in the opposite end of the spectrum with Austin. I have a Olive Garden gift card I've been sitting on for about a year, <laughs> and dude, I use I've those within two weeks. It. I've tried to use it in earnest twice. And both times we went and were told there was an hour wait. <laughs> the OG? Uh, yeah, so maybe next time we'll just trade. You can have the Olive Garden gift card and yeah. I'll take the uh, fine dining one. <laughs> it was a, the, the, the llama restaurant in uh, St. Augustine, Florida. Peruvian food. Mm. I have a love-hate relationship with Olive Garden because uh, once I went with one of Austin and I's company mates to Olive Garden when they had the never-ending pasta bowl thing. Uh, and they kicked us out of the restaurant for eating too much pasta. And I like almost got in a fight with the manager because I was like, 
no, it's, you can't do that. Like, it's the never-ending possible. You can't tell us we've had too much pasta and kick us out. And ever since then, uh, me and Olive Garden just, I don't know. I like Olive Garden, but we haven't gotten along. Mm. Like, like come on. Like, you can't have a never-ending pasta bowl deal. <laughs> and then after we eat 10 bowls, say, sorry, you guys have eaten too much pasta. You have to leave. Like, that's not how it works. But anyways. Yeah, um, a lot of places would give you a t-shirt for eating that much pasta. I know. Mm. It was it was unfortunate. Um, but anyways, speaking of bowls, uh, see what I did there, right? Pasta bowls. Um... No, uh, well, we haven't talked since the last, since Army Navy, since we did our live recording, which was a lot of fun, um, and I think it was a good episode. And just, I mean, it was just really cool. That was a, a great experience. Hopefully, Austin and Kayla, hopefully, you both had a good time uh, oh, yeah, at definitely. Army Navy this year. Um, sure. And I mean, that's so long ago now. It seems like we obviously we should bring it up. It's a huge game, but at this point, um, we're kind of probably past that a little bit. Um, you know, that obviously ended Army season at five and eight, and uh, it kind of played out and to me, and, you know, we don't have to talk about it much, but we can just kind of thinking back to it, like, as expected for you, Austin, maybe, or I mean, obviously nobody expected Malcolm Perry to run for 304 yards or whatever whatever it was, over 300 yards. Yeah, I, we were at game day, and I don't know if you remember what I said, but uh, I had, I think, leaned over or something. I was like, hey, my bold prediction of the day is that Navy covers. Yeah, you um, did say that. I, I don't remember what the well, – it was double digits. It wasn't 14. Maybe it was like 10 or 11. The spread? I don't remember. Yeah, I think it was like ten and a half. You can get it at. But I felt I felt pretty comfortable with Navy coming in there. Just the situation of what both teams were in 2019, and you know, a healthy Malcolm Perry, an unknown situation at quarterback uh, for Army, adding to that. But I really felt comfortable with Navy winning a two-score game at least. So, 31-7 was probably more than I thought. I mean, that was a late touchdown by Navy anyway. But um, yeah, that I, I guess that was my bold prediction and proved to be true. Yeah, Kayla, you too. I mean, it seemed like you kind of had. I, I can't. I finally, by the end of the season, was like, okay, I think we know what both teams are. And I was. I mean, obviously, there's always a little bit of nerves knowing that it's Army Navy and Service Academy game, CIC game. Things can happen. But I felt pretty confident too that Navy was going to win that game. And um, it's not a negative thing for you. To, I don't think Kayla to say that you know you were probably pessimistic that Army was going to win the game. And um, did it play out how you thought? I think so. After. Um kind of like when, right before going into halftime um, and realizing that, like, the best drive um, that Army had played was that drive. Um, and, it, and, you know, it took so long, and it was, like, momentous, I and mean, it was, like, the longest drive they had had since, like, they played week one. Um, and after not kind of seeing, like, an initial, like, turnaround, right after coming into half – after coming out of halftime, I was like, I this is probably going to be it. Like, it, it – it was kind of it was a ominous feeling for me to be up there, and I was I was like visibly trying to like not be frustrated. Um, and then you know, of course, to go um, into the uh, the the game after interview and and hear the guys talk, um, you know, it it kind of it matched what like like I guess what you kind of said what I what I was expecting to happen. Kind of going into halftime, I was like, yeah, this I don't think this is going to happen for them for them today. And honestly, I honestly haven't thought about the game in a couple of weeks now, and now I'm thinking back to it. You know, I think it was Army's second drive of the game, that long drive for the touchdown. They went up. Um, it did take Navy a little while to get going, and it was that um, that Navy special play, right, in link mm-hmm. at the link, right, where they, you know, had, you know, of course, where Philly special um, is is a big deal from the Super Bowl with the the pass back to Jamel Carruthers that was just like hanging in the air for forever. It seemed like, and I was in that end zone. 
when that happened on the field. And, you know, I couldn't even really see if he came down with it. Um, so that was a huge play, obviously. But I remember sitting with um, Stephen Godfrey at the, like, you know, little food area right as the second half kicked off. And it was like maybe the sec- by the second drive, it was him and, and Richard Johnson. They, I mean, everybody there was, you know, unbiased, was kind of like, yeah, this, it's obvious that Navy, like, Army put up a good fight in the first half, but Navy is the better team and is starting to pull away, even if the score still didn't fully, you know, have it out of reach at that point. You could just tell that it, it was pretty much over, I feel like. So, yeah. Scott, what about you? I mean, you are the third party here. Did it play out how you, how you saw it playing out? Uh, well, I guess the only real nice thing that I can say about Army is that I did end up liking the uniforms. So actually <laughs> seeing them in the game, I, I really did think that they were good. Um, it, to me, it was just the culmination of how the tale of both of these seasons. I think that Army, even if um, they had the heart and they all wanted to be there and wanted to play hard, I, I just don't think they had it this season. They There's no real game that you can look back to to where they were kind of defying the odds and, and coming away with a win, even going up seven, nothing in the first quarter. It's just like, you didn't really see it in them. And I think it was a, a really an ode to Jamil Carruthers and Malcolm Perry and the, the coaching staff of Navy is, was phenomenal. And Malcolm Perry, it's just uh, Dane, Dane has been saying um, nonstop in our Slack channel that he's just glad Malcolm Perry's graduating. And I think that's the best way to put it. Malcolm Perry. I mean, I know we've given him enough accolades this season with the CIC MVPs and things like that, but I don't. I could see him being an athlete in the professional realm, but maybe not as a football player, maybe not in the NFL. I could see him being like a world-class rugby player or something. I don't know. He's just so athletic, definitely has a high IQ for the game, um, and just is a knows how to win, like just finds ways to win. And this wasn't, I mean, obviously 31-7, it's like he didn't have to find a way to win, but um, – yeah, I think it it just played out. It was it was great for Navy, and it was maybe the gut shot that Army needs to to actually regroup. Like I think they legitimately are next season. So, well, let's Austin. Unless you have you have something else you want to add, and I didn't really give you too much time other than to say your bold prediction there. But um, about the game before I, I was going to jump into yeah, jump ahead. No, 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 no. I was just gonna I was gonna jump ahead to because Scott kind of tossed it up to where does Army go from here before we talk more navy air force because obviously we have more to talk about with them and army we don't really have much more to talk about going into the off season so um do you have anything else from the army navy game before we jump into that or nope so so i guess yeah i mean we already know new defensive coordinator right coming in um i don't have the guy's name right off the top of my head right now i don't i don't nate remember woody. but he's he, nate woody yeah that's right so he's coming he, he was at georgia tech under paul johnson um was let go when pj was let go and i believe he spent the past year at michigan uh it, as a I don't know if he's like a quality control guy or whatever, but uh, assistant there. But um, so new defensive coordinator, it um, you know just didn't work for for John um, Loose and uh, I guess coming off of Jay Bateman and and to me it just shows and you can obviously look at Brian Newberry at Navy too and you know just the the effect that a remarkable coach can have right um, and what happens when all of that you know leaves and and even if you have the same players coming in so. Um, we do have a new defense coordinator. I, I guess I'll toss it to you, Kayla. Then, like, where where do, where does Army go from here? Um, how do they rebound heading into next season? Um, yeah, I mean, what are your kind of final thoughts on the season and and looking towards the off season? I mean, I mean, I'm definitely kind of you know very excited for this hire. I think so much of what we talked about um, during the season was that you know losing um, Jay Bateman was obviously a, a big kind of uh, 
punch to this team and and I think a big point of, of having such a detriment to their season. And I think if you're an Army fan, you kind of hope um, that Nate Woody um, in his kind of, you know, individualistic kind of style and um, what, you know, Army put on their press release, you know, he's kind of bringing a 3-4 scheme um, to this team, which you, which you saw kind of a little bit of what the Ravens did a couple years ago, um, really heavy um, on blitzes, really heavy on using the athleticism and speed of a lot of these linebackers. And you kind of hope that it, it kind of turns the team around in the same way that Brian Newberry has been able to turn the team around um, kind of a, a, with Navy, if that kind of makes any sense. Um, so I think it's it's really interesting. You know, he was at Appalachian State, um, at Georgia Tech, um, a, you know, recently came from Michigan, teams that we know have, you know, had really um, high scoring, you know, defenses in the country in the past couple of years and in terms of forcing turnovers um, in, in terms of defensive touchdowns and recovering fumbles. So I'm really excited to have, have him um, kind of as a hire. And I think it'll be interesting to see um, how he's able to really bring out the athleticism of the new guys because, you know, we're losing once again, a big swath of really talented seniors, um, you know, going into the next season. So I, I think for Army fans, this is really what you want to see. Um, it was a big change. You wanted to see somebody um, uh, different kind of in this position. And of course, John Luce being um, promoted to internally, you know, to assistant head coach is going to be great for him. And so you kind of just hope for the best and, and we'll see what happens, you know, in kind of spring practice and how these things develop. But I'm definitely excited. Yeah, I mean, they are losing a ton, like you said. Um, you know, Cole Christensen in the middle, um, they'll pretty much be returning the defensive line, but in the you know in the in the secondary, obviously Elijah Riley is a huge loss. We've talked him up probably just as much as we've talked Malcolm Perry up. Um, so, yeah, I mean it's going to be a lot to to replace, but hopefully this was the right hire. It was a pretty quick hire. I, I don't want to be, um, I don't know. I don't want to make like light of of Nate Woody's last year, um, but does anybody else feel like? He went to Michigan as an analyst because of one specific game on Michigan's schedule. <laughs> Maybe. I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't like George, his last year at Georgia Tech that they were like a lights-out defense, right? Not, not really. Look, I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's. You know, I know. Um, Clemson is Clemson brought in Buddy Green every year since he retired when Paul Johnson was still at Georgia Tech. Um, as a consultant for, you know, weeks in advance of playing Georgia Tech. So it wouldn't surprise me. It's just something I thought of. I was like, oh, he's been there as an an a defensive analyst for a year um, when, you know, there was one game on Michigan's schedule that, that was going to be different than all the others, I guess. You know. So anyways, yeah, just a thought. Um, anybody else have any thoughts on, on Army heading into the offseason and kind of what they have to do to regroup? I mean, I, is, is it looking at Navy? It's kind of weird how it's like, Navy was the standard that Army was trying to get to. Then they've had sustained success, and now Navy had a down year. Now they had a bounce back, and Army's trying to replicate that from you know looking at Navy or Air Force really, um, and and you know looking for similar success to kind of say that this was a fluke year. I don't know. So do we since I don't know when this is going to come out? What's going to happen? But Mississippi State job is open, and I've seen more than one list that has Jeff Munkin's name on it. Uh, and I've seen Troy Calhoun's name mentioned, but not nearly as often. Not, I don't think that is going to happen. I think Michi I think Mississippi State would be smart to probably go that route with an option-based uh, head coach. Uh, but I mean, I 
I get past that first, I guess. There's anytime a Power 5 program is looking to rebuild and you hear a service academy coach's name on the short list or on some sort of list, I think you got to pump the brakes and wait. And we thought we were done with that, and Mississippi State did a Mississippi thing and decided to let go of their coach in January. But so get through that first, I think. I don't know. I, don't know. I guess that's, uh, that's true. I personally have kind of not given up, but I just like, I take all of that with a grain of salt, right? It's all speculation. And even though, I mean, you know, Munkham's name was on several lists this year. Calhoun's name is on lists every season. Um, and I don't know if it's, I don't know like where I am on that, whether it's uh, obviously there's intrigue because of the leadership and things that they would bring, but it's a different style of football. And I don't even know how far that, that conversation gets at power five SEC, you know, sure, level, sure. level schools anymore. And I, to me, it's kind of like, I'll believe it when I see it. Like PJ was the last one you know, up to this point, and and that's been a decade, you know, ago that that, that happened, and we know what eventually happened with Georgia Tech's fan base, and I, I don't know, I just think there's some hesitancy for sure. I know there's hesitancy, but for me, I'm just kind of, that's how I feel about it, is like, eh, like, I really don't put much stock in in either Calhoun or Nehemiah or Munkin when I see their name anymore, and would be actually pretty shocked if that, that happened, I guess. Yeah, I think Troy Calhoun is just at an age and time in his career where it it just wouldn't make any sense. I think even if he were, I don't know, because I can't speak to it too specifically um, just because I don't know him personally, but um, I can almost see him just sticking around at Air Force and getting into maybe an AD job or something. Maybe he does love coaching. Maybe the pay would be a cut if he were to not do it. I just can't see him leaving Air Force on his own volition and taking another coaching job. As far as Jeff Munkin goes, uh, it's tough to say because, again, you I mean, you don't know the guy on a personal level, and it's like I think he was really building himself up, and he has been building himself up, and maybe he kind of looks in the mirror and says, this is a really tough gig, and maybe I've taken them as far as I can go, um, and he just like wants to kind of get up to the next level because it seemed like he's been on an upwards trend in terms of high-profile jobs. So I think it's, it, it's certainly a more intriguing thing for him to want to do is to go elsewhere and upward but i i mean i think i think he probably has feels like now he has unfinished business at army yeah i'd agree i mean let's look at i, I agree with that but you know calhoun's name's been floated around nehemiah obviously got close with byu that's a whole different thing but then got close with arizona we know what happened there but mississippi state or mizzou are are two different jobs than than arizona right like if mississippi state comes calling i don't think any unfinished business would, would keep Munkin from Mississippi State. That's just what I believe. I know Army fans don't don't think that they think he's in for the long haul. I'm not saying he's not. I'm not saying that he doesn't want to be at Army. But if a SEC West school comes calling and says, we want you to be our coach, I, I just don't think that you're – I don't know. Am I, somebody, somebody, somebody talk me down off that one, I guess. I, I, I would agree. I mean, if someone from the SEC West is going to call, I'm certainly going to listen. I mean, <laughs> the thing is, it might be a two- or a three-year gig because it's in the SEC West. <laughs> but um, at the end of the day, like, I, I, I'm, I bring it back to your end. I think it's more speculation. I don't I don't see it happening. I don't even – I would say less than 10% chance, and that might be still too high. But uh, it's still interesting that there is a Power 5 job out there, uh, and it's in typically the strongest – division in the country every year and the fact that service academy coaches names are on respectable 
you know, writers' lists is intriguing. I think that's a great thing. Even Godfrey was talking about it today on Twitter. I don't know where he brought it up. Uh, and it's something that I think it has to be in the back of those coaches' minds and players' minds and all that until that job is filled. Look, I, th- I think at the end of the day it's good for Service Academy Athletics that, that this happens because if, if and when one of these three coaches does decide to leave, um, I think it's, it's showing that, that this can be a, a jump to a Power 5 program. It's not, you know, and I think that that helps future coaching searches and things like that and assistant coaching jobs. We've seen a ton of the assistants jump to Power 5 jobs at all three schools. Um, you know, and so I think that, that those things are, are helping, you know, on the coaching side, recruit better coaches to, to these schools. So I think it's a win. A win. I don't know if it'll happen, but, uh, let's, let's look at army schedule. Go ahead. That, well, I also believe that on the kind of correlation versus causation side, I think that as the service academies get more away from the traditional triple option, I also think that's going to open up a little bit more, too. I mean, yeah. right now, if you were to ask somebody who's really, like, historically versed on the triple option in service academy football, we don't even really, like, Air Force especially doesn't really run a triple option anymore. It's, like, kind yeah. of a mid-option variant. So I, I think that has a lot to do with it, too. Like, you're not just looking at these guys who are pigeonholed. Now they're they're all more complete football coaches than they were in the past. And look at... I mean, obviously the spread dominates, but look at the impact of the option and pe- people at SB Nation and other outlets have written about that too, right? Of things, things come full circle and, and the option, whether it's the read option or, you know, it's, just, it's making its way right into every program. And so that skill set, especially if it's not just the triple, but it's different variations um, from the people who study it more than anybody else in the country because they're running it, I think, yeah, definitely benefits them for sure. Um, let's look at Army's schedule for next year, and then we'll take a break and come back and talk bowl season with a Z. Um, so, I, I don't know. So, Army's got, you know, got they got their two FCS games and Bucknell and Princeton next year. Both, you know, should be wins. They've got a terrible UMass team, a terrible UConn team. So, you see a few wins. But um, I would say the rest of their schedule, you know, we know how Rice played them this year. Um, but they're they're going against um, several good bowl teams in Miami of Ohio, you know, they got Eastern Michigan, um, who's, who's been getting to bowls the past few seasons. Buffalo has been really good. Obviously, Tulane is on the, the up and up. Um, so it's not by any means going to be an easy schedule. I think it'll be a tougher schedule than this year. Um, one of the coolest games, for sure, in Army home game, you know, home recent memory is they, they, they somehow managed that home and home with Oklahoma. So they welcome Oklahoma to Mikey, um, which will be pretty sweet. And I would love to go to that game, actually. Uh, I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, but they got Oklahoma – and then they get Air Force at home, and then obviously Navy. Um, any thoughts looking ahead at, at Army's schedule next year? I know it's super early, but um, to me that's a little bit tougher than it was even this year. No, I, I definitely agree. I think for me, and I think for hopefully Army fans this past year, um, and even like the year before, me kind of looking at the conversation about having the schedule and being able to pick and choose teams um, and what this season kind of looked like for them, um, that hopefully was kind of like a learning curve. Um, to the fact that, like, we don't kind of puff ourselves up, you know, too much as fans to kind of think about um, <laughs> the possibility of, of what this Army team can do. I think, like you said, I think, you know, always having that sort of, like, big marquee game, I think, at home for them will be really, really awesome, especially kind of in the the, the first half of the season. I know this past year um, a big kind of 
negative for me was having Michigan so early on in the season because it kind of seemed like that downfall happened, like trickling right after that. And so I'm hoping that that obviously isn't replicated. I'm hoping that um, the game at home for them and and having, uh, you know, a home team advantage of, of having, you know, Mikey really packed um, in addition to kind of having a turnaround of a team, a bunch of new guys, and of course, um, you know, a new defensive coordinator does a lot for this team. But I'm, I'm excited. I definitely feel like, um, you know, even with this past season being what it was, um, that we can hope to kind of see a consistently stronger and stronger schedule, I think, uh, for Army. And that, that's kind of what I'm hoping to see, um, hopefully, as the team also also kind of progresses and kind of service academy football as as a whole kind of the conversation um kind of gets into the larger larger kind of american you know football audience if you will anybody else have any thoughts on army schedule yeah i think the schedule is a little bit tougher um i think that we're also in a situation that's relatively unprecedented in recent memory they've been on a high trending upward curve of of skill and and good seasons and now they've really hit a wall and so i think that i made my predictions on them having a big comeback season um pretty much just on the basis that i think that jeff munkin is a really great football coach i think the problem is is i, I don't know because i think i really think that he's too smart to actually be as cocky as he came off this season. Um, <laughs> so so I'm not really sure. I really do believe that they can come back. One thing that was a little concerning, um, just looking, because I think they're going to have to utilize some freshman talent and some, um, some sophomores as well who we didn't really get to see play, whether they didn't actually dress for varsity games. But um, they did have five players decommit who were officially signed to, to Army. And then I've also seen some who were unofficially committed um, who have decommitted like just through Twitter and, and rumors and that kind of thing. So I wonder if that did scare a few guys off. No no big names that they brought in. They really do have some quality players coming from some big schools, guys who look like they might be ready to play right away. Um, but I, I think it's right now it's a really a big just wait and see. I will say that I'm going from now making the claim or formally making the claim that I think they're going to have a big season next year too. I think it's a very strong possibility. But I also wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot of the same. I mean, they had no answers up till the very last game. I think if we would have seen maybe a little bit better showing against Navy, um, I would have had a little more confidence. But it was just a lot of the same. And they had all season to fix it, um, starting from the first game. Yeah, I mean, I will be interested to see, you know, and this is not the same, not saying Jabari Laws is Malcolm Perry or anything like that. Um, but just, you know, he, he didn't come in as number one guy this year, you know, and um, and had to step in, and then Hopkins is back, and all that kind of stuff, and the, just the quarterback shuffle there. We've seen the way that has played out for both other service academies in recent memory when they have to do the QB shuffle. Um, and so if Jabari Laws is the, is the man, we've seen glimpses of what he can do. Um, I think that's nothing but a benefit next year for Army's offense. So um, I would like to think that they, they win some of those games against some of those teams, which I think are – solid, you know, teams that went to bowl games this year um, that they did not win this year. I don't think they're going to rebound and all of a sudden, you know, take Oklahoma out or anything like that. But um, I think that they're going to be a good team or a better team next year. All right, let's take a break. Um, of note, Nate Woody graduated from T.L. Hannah High School in Anderson, South Carolina, which is where I live. So did not know that. Um, but now I do. Also, the uh, – Famous for a, a, a movie in the 2000s, 
T.L. Hannah High School? A football movie? Anyone? Oh. Oh. Uh, I can't look it up. I don't want to cheat. Anyone? Never mind. Go ahead. Radio? Radio. There yeah. You go. Right. yeah. Got it. So not Remember the Titans because that was Virginia. Let's go. <laughs> I was going to say, in, in high school, I actually played against T.C. Williams. Oh, really? Various. Yeah, I went to West Springfield. We were mentioned like once. So. <laughs> yeah. Johanna, like hi. when they went when they went through their spell, they won like six straight weeks. That was one of them, like really fast. Yep, exactly. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. We'll come right back and we'll talk bowl games, bowl season. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Against Army's podcast. We just got done spending uh, more time than I thought we would spend actually talking Army. Um, heading the, into the off season, but that tends to happen with us. I feel like we get talking, and there are four of us. So, um, but let's talk bowl season. What a great bowl season it was for uh, for both teams. First of all, bowl mania. Like for us, I mean, pretty doing pretty solid out there. Um, Ryan's got like he was like top like fifty at one point for bowl picks in the world. Yeah. And still, like, up there, like, top 1,000 or something. And um, I'm, like, one point behind him, and it's probably going to come down to the National Championship game because um, he picked LSU and I picked Clemson. So, um, But for Air Force and Navy, great wins um, for sure. Let's talk Air Force first. That, that was the first game that happened. So, and I know Scott has a lot to say about Air Force um, heading into the offseason as well. But before we do that, Scott, um, let's rewind back to the Cheez-It Bowl against Washington State. Um, facing the Cougs from Wazoo, um, and we, you know, touted this as Calhoun versus Leach, um, two very eccentric uh, people, and um, you know, Air Force came out and and really, I mean, they were only winning seventeen fourteen at the half, but um, it all started with the drive that I called, right? I mean, that was, I'm gonna go ahead and give myself props for that one, right? Like pat on the back. <laughs> I literally, I literally called that drive, like. 12-minute, 97-yard drive, called it right before it happened. Um, so that, that drive, though, really, you know, was just, I'm sure, giving Mike Leach fits. And uh, they're, you know, in this, the first drive of the second quarter for Air Force, or first quarter really into the second quarter because they took took up, you know, over 12 and a half minutes off the game clock. But um, one of those drives mixed with several other drives, you know, like that, but also some shorter drives, Um and just really a clinic in the second half and, and put the game away. So, Scott, what are your thoughts uh, on the cheez Bowl? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to go – it was now far enough away to where I don't want to break down the X's and O's on it too much. But overall, I think this is the first game where I've been talking all season about how I think Navy's strength has been that they know themselves and they have played to their strengths and they've made sure that their weaknesses were not exposed. And I think that's really what Air Force did in this game. I mean – it was clear that we were going to be outmatched on um, wide receiver matchups. And so we threw the ball a little bit, but we were kind of able to account for the fact that we were only going to throw for 30 yards. And so Cade Remsburg had a monster game, 178 yards, Taven Birdo and Hammond on rushing. And so um, 
just were able to get the win. It was a, a great cap on the season. And I, one of the things that I was really, really happy with, it was just the best play calling that I've seen from Air Force really all season. Um, and it was the same old, same old. I don't think we did anything crazy. Um, but there really just wasn't a single wasted play. And I think that there was also a lot of nuance. It, it feels like a lot of times when we play against um, better teams, we you'll get just kind of the dives that seem like throwaway plays. Um, until we're setting ourselves up for something else, and then it's like, all right, punt it, and we'll just control the game clock. Whereas, you know, on the dives, we had players actually selling fakes really well, and, I mean, even the cameraman was having a hard time tracking the, where the ball was at times. And so I just thought it was, um, like I said, a great cap on the season, and it really just showed to me what this team really brought to the table, and that was just a lot of hard-nosed grit, a huge rotation of running backs, and just a team win. So it was... It was awesome. I, I couldn't be happier. Yeah, I mean, it was. It was a great game, great bowl game. Um, Rimsburg scored that touchdown to kind of seal it and, um, you know, pretty much got knocked out. Of the, I mean, he clearly had a concussion um, on that hit, but that hit that he took and still was able to extend the ball over the pylon. Like you said, he had a great game. Um, any other thoughts on the bowl game, Austin, Kayla? The the Cheez-It Gatorade bath, man. Making <laughs> oh, rounds. yeah. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> I hope, hope that – uh, Twitter's Twitter's had fun with it because they're like, man, I hope this starts a trend. And obviously, I think the Idaho potato, potato bowl or whatever yeah. that one was, and they did it. And who else? Kellogg's or whatever that one was did it. I mean, there's some bowls out there that'd be really intriguing. I don't know what you would do with like the Gator Bowl or anything, but you know, it's been some fun. Uh, I wish they would have dumped uh, jet fuel during the Lockheed Martin Bowl. You know, <laughs> the options are endless here. That's my point. Yeah, like, we, they started a trend. We're just gonna see it continue to get. Progressively, progressively crazier next year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another thing that I did want to say was it, it really made me question um, this whole talk about it. And I, I really do. I give coaches a lot of credit because I believe that to get to this level, you have to be a really smart person. You have to be a really brilliant football mind. And whenever you hear, oh, we're not used to playing against a triple option, that kind of thing, I always kind of – laugh at it a little bit because i'm like come on you can you can figure it out you can watch enough game film and figure out what's going on and i and mike leach even laughed it off a little bit he's like well we're not going to let him just run down the clock on us um and now i'm just starting to kind of believe it even more because that we did exactly what he knew we were going to do and it worked and so that was one thing that i i really think that there's a ton of value in having um and being able to see the triple option. And it goes back to you look at these other games that have been held close, like Army, Michigan, Navy against in their games in the past and, and that kind of thing. So that's just something that's really interesting. It goes back into what you were saying earlier about um, having the the Michigan thing with triple option um, with, with, uh, with Army's new hire. And I was kind of thinking about that, and I, I know we had mentioned it, and I, I just really want to throw this out there, but Kyle Johnson, I was wondering if maybe he could go to a school, um, and we'll tell the full story in a second, but I was thinking maybe a school that would be taking on um, either Army or Navy or Air Force, so maybe we could see him at like Oklahoma or something. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a ton of value in that. Let's go ahead and talk about it then, because I, I want to look ahead to next year, but first, there, you are you know losing some losing some big players, but there's a ton coming back, but... Um, you know, a couple of shout outs maybe you want to give obviously Mo Fafita, um, what a, what a career he had, right. Um, at air force. Oh yeah. Um, Jeremy Fegedellum, right. Is he's gone, right. Um, he's a yep. senior Garrett Coppola. Um, and then, you know, Kyle Johnson, um, has entered the transfer portal as a, uh, soon to be graduate of the air force Academy. 
Um, and you can go ahead. I'll let you kind of break down exactly how he is able to do that and what that looks like. And um, it's not going to start a trend because it, it you, you go ahead, just go ahead and talk about it. Explain kind of the stars aligning and what has to happen there for that to happen. So basically out of the Air Force Academy, and I'm assuming it's the same way at uh, Navy and West Point as well. If you are academically competitive, generally the top part of the class will go to graduate school in whatever field that they've been studying. So they'll go uh, get a master's degree straight after, and then they'll enter active. They'll be on active duty, but they'll be a full-time student for that entire year. Um, and there's some strings. Believe me, I was nowhere near competitive for this program, so I can't speak to the particulars of it. Um, but it's a very rare occurrence in that you have somebody like Kyle Johnson who is skilled enough to play at potentially even a better um, school, potentially Power 5, while also being academically eligible to get into this Air Force program where you can go play somewhere. And so it's kind of a – we're kind of at a, a meeting point here of of him being able to get recruited somewhere as well as have this opportunity. And um, he has a 3.94 grade point average, so I'm sure he'll be able to get into almost any graduate school program in, that he wants to in the country. It kind of comes down to um, – whether the Air Force will support it, whether the university will support what they do as far as the Air Force scholarships and the programs and all that kind of stuff. So the stars all really have to align, but I think it brings up a really, really interesting thing. And there was some talk about how this will work and hemming and hawing about how uh, we're not 100% sure what the legal parameters are on him actually playing. Is it a hazardous activity? Because you always run the risk of him getting injured um, and that hurting his his Air Force commitment. But... Um, I think it's really interesting, and there hasn't really been any buzz about where he would go or anything like that, but I know that there's, as far as schools go, there are cadets who graduate and go to schools all over the country, MIT, uh, schools that have Power 5 programs, like really anything, so uh, I'm excited to see where this goes, and and like I said, I, I do wonder, it's like, would somebody like that, would he be valuable at a program like... Um, and I said Oklahoma. I, don't, I know no, Notre Dame's private, right? Yeah, they're private. So I don't know how that would be, but maybe that could be something. Does, does Notre Dame even care? Because it seems like they have maybe figured out, but I don't know. Look, I don't think it's going to be a trend. But, uh, well, first, so, so like Austin and I's roommate, um, one of our roommates, Pete, went to Georgetown. I mean, you do have to kind of be like in the top 100-ish out of your class in order to do it. At Navy, It's we have the uh, immediate graduate education program, IJEP, and then the voluntary graduate education program, BJEP. Um, you have to get selected, but then you do a lot of the legwork yourself of getting accepted into the different schools. And it's not like, you know, you're pigeonholed into this program is only for this school type thing. Um, there's a ton of wiggle room, kind of like what you said. Um, and then I'll let Austin kind of add his two cents too. But I, I just think in general, I don't think it's going to become a trend, but I think it's beyond just the option football knowledge for somebody like Oklahoma. I think there are a large number of coaches um, who would understand the intangibles and the tangibles, obviously, that someone like Kyle Johnson brings to their football program, having played four years at Air Force, and people are doing grad transfers. You know, that's that's kind of a thing now, right? Like, you, you got your degree, you still have a year of eligibility, you go use your year of eligibility, and the only requirement, right, is that, um, that the school you're going to has to have a degree that your current school doesn't offer. Well, Air Force doesn't offer any graduate degrees, so literally it's completely wide open. You can go get a graduate degree in anything as long as it falls in line with the Air Force's um, requirements for that program, but it, there's no real restrictions on it. So I think there will be more of this, not a ton, but more of this in the future. Yeah. Uh, when Pete, when our roommate did it, 
wasn't, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he take classes in the last semester as well, like while he was a student? He did. He took no classes at Navy aside from PE. Um, right. So, he, he so there, is a, there is a little bit of that to at least that situation where the Navy is still basically paying for his semester because he wasn't going to graduate, I don't think, a semester early because he probably still had a PE qualification to meet or a requirement to meet. Uh, so, I mean, there's a little bit of that element to it, which makes it, I feel like, a little different. All that to say, like, I think this is an awesome opportunity and it should be permitted and I hope it all works out. Uh, and I agree, I also don't think it's going to be a trend. I think the one cause for concern would be if big Air Force or big DOD, Navy, Army, whatever, depending on what branch you're in, I could see them uh, questioning whether they want this individual to be susceptible to more head injuries or CTE or a torn ACL where it would delay his ability to serve his time in the capacity that he was supposed to serve or whatever. Again, I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit. I'm not thinking that that's going to be a concern that we're going to hear from, but that's what some people would say, I imagine. But you played all Navy volleyball. I mean, you could have torn an ACL at any point, right? And there was very true. I mean, but regardless, I mean, it's a cool opportunity. It'll be interesting to see where he ends up and to see if, you know, we do see more of this um, onesie twosies um, coming out from from these schools and and what happens with that because I think that he obviously has something to offer from an academic and an athletic perspective to uh, a large number of schools and because he's a great great player and has been spent four years at a service academy. I mean, I just think it's, I think it's cool. So, um, but let's look ahead before we take another break at what's coming back for Air Force. Um, and Scott, I know you, you have, you know, you're, you said you're on the Calhoun train again, so I'll give you your, your chance to, to jump on that. But, uh, I want to go ahead and throw out, uh, a bold prediction for 2020 coming from me. And this will be a, bo- a bigger bold. My bold prediction this year was that Nelson Smith would be the best fullback. So this is bigger. This is bolder than that. Uh, my bold prediction for 2020 is Air Force wins the Mountain West Conference. Hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to look. It's it's just that mountain division is really what kills me. It's a it's gonna be a tough road. You I Boise think. at home. Um, we do have Boise at home. Um, I'd like to see where it also lays out. If we can get Boise a little bit later, I think that might be a good thing. Um, and then Utah State. Uh, yeah. You get Hawaii at home. You don't have to travel to Hawaii. Yeah, I don't hate that. Um. Anyways, you can think I, of that. You don't I, have I to think, respond to that right this second, you know. But uh, I like it. I like I think it. They have a ton coming back, right? Like that offense is going to be scary next year. Yeah, we do. And um, I mean, we're losing Gerard Sanders, which is big. Mo Fafita, and like you said, those guys on defense. Um, but overall, we have, and I think the biggest one is Donald Hammond. You see what happens when you let service academy quarterbacks be quarterbacks and give them the team. Yeah. I mean, um, Kate Rimsburg, kind of Timothy Jackson. It, yeah, and I think that's been an Achilles heel across the board for all the service academies is when you do the, the quarterback roulette, you see it doesn't work out. So I think him coming back for a senior year is, is yeah, it's going to be good. And they all have such good chemistry as an offense too. And you, I mean, you still have plenty coming back on defense too. Trey Bug is back, right? Um, Lakota yeah. Wills is back. Um, Jordan Jackson, right? I mean, you have at each level, you have you – have, um, uh, De- uh, DeMonte Meeks, right, I think is a junior too. So, I mean, you just have you have a ton – uh, coming back on the defensive side too, even though you do lose probably you know perhaps more there um, than on the offensive skill position side. But I don't know. I just think it's a very talented team that 
obviously proved what they could do this year when given the opportunity. Lost two tough games to Boise and Navy, but otherwise, you know, ran the table this year. And so I, I just have big hopes for, for Air Force next year um, as an outsider. But go ahead. The, the Calhoun train, you're on it. I really am. Um, I'm back in on him. I, I never once, like, actually, in fact, called for his job, but I think I was kind of leaning towards that. And I think his place in the system is really just a great fit. I think what he really needed was somebody to hold him accountable. Um, and I think that that man is going to be Nathan Pine. I We haven't seen exactly how that relationship um, has played out publicly, but it seems like for a while we just needed to make some change. And it seemed like any change would be good change. And I think that now you can really see what, and I, and I think what it led to was really complacency with Calhoun. And maybe he felt a little bit jaded. Maybe he felt like, um, he was kind of spiteful because maybe he wasn't given the freedom and resources to coach his team. But um, I think it's that now he feels a little bit more comfortable. I know that Nathan Pine has a winning attitude. And I think if he's able to say, what were last year's weak weaknesses and what are you able to, or what are you doing to fix them? I think that's the important question that it seems like Nathan Pine is really asking and kind of how can we as an athletic department help you out? And I know that, Aside from Nathan Pine, they have made a few good hires there. But really, to me, it's some of the foresight and some of the, the personnel changes that have been made. I talked about at the beginning of the season ad nauseum about the coaching staff that were brought in. We have uh, coaches who have played in Super Bowls. We've had um, tons of military experience, tons of academy experience. Just all across the board is really spread out. And having the foresight to either, whether it was Calhoun making these decisions or listening to his coaches – letting Trey Bug, Trey Bug blossom the way he did, converting Benjamin Waters to a receiver, and rotating your running backs, and even just finally making the decision to settle on Donald Hammond. I think that those are all things that are really the mark of a really, really good coach. And, and maybe there are a few little key pieces that need tweaking there, but overall, I'm, I'm really happy with him. And I think that it's just it goes to show that he can't do everything on his own. He, he's not the athletic director as well, so when you have a good support staff, to back him, I think we can do some really great things. Obviously, um, you know, I think it would be good for business if he were a little more open with the media, but I think we even saw a little more openness this year than we did in years past um, with some of the interviews and letting some of the players talk. Obviously, after Colorado and a few games, there was some goofy stuff there, but overall, I I really liked what I saw out of Calhoun this year, and um, I mean, the record speaks for itself, and and when you look back how many bowl games we've been to and his bowl record, it's it's been... It's been pretty good, so um, I don't mind if we get an extension. I just want to keep seeing this trend going, and obviously it's it's crazy to ask for the same record with only two losses and 11-2 and two record every year, but um, as long as we keep it up and really play to our strengths and, and utilize the talent that we have, I think it's a good thing. You know, I, I feel crazy because after the loss to Boise State and then to Navy, I think I was the one that brought up the question of like, ah, I mean – is this going to be another five and seven type season? And if this is three in a row, where are we with Troy Calhoun? Cause you do that, you know, and then he just totally blew that out of the water. Um, so I'm happy for that, which is awesome. I would much rather have this discussion than that, but crazy to think that we thought that was a possibility just a few months ago. Yeah. I mean, and I think the question too is like, who would be a better fit anywhere? Like uh, it would probably have to be an internal hire. It'd probably be Mike Thiessen being promoted but other than that i mean 
who else are you going to get who understands cadets, who understands our football program, who could come in and work with the coaching staff? I mean, even if you fire the coaching staff, who can work with the, the players that we have and really get into that recruiting rhythm? I think it's a really tough thing to do. And obviously, yeah. Munkin did it, but it still took a few years. So I say, at least with the way that we're recruiting, I mean, just like let him keep going. Just give him the support he needs. Yeah. I mean, I think if I'm, I think you're, you're right about Nathan Pine, too, that if he can kind of break some of that hard, cold exterior of Calhoun, right? And it doesn't have to be necessarily to the media or, you know, he's not going to change. I'm not saying he's going to change who Calhoun, who, knows, who Calhoun is or how he approaches you know, his job or anything like that. But just from a uh, brand building perspective, I think is, is an area that you brought up before that, that Air Force still, you know, is lacking even with a, a great 11 and two season. And so if Pine can kind of connect some of the dots there and get Calhoun a little bit more engaged from that perspective, you know, um, then if everything else is going the way it's going, then, you know, why, why would you break it apart at this point? Um, you know, and yeah, I mean, it was it is crazy that earlier in the year we were looking at, hey, what's going to happen? Um, but then they just you know rattled off, you know, winning pretty much you know winning every game after after the Navy game, um, and the way they kind of finished the season, you know, and what they have coming back and the recruiting. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot to look for, look forward to for sure. Any other thoughts on on Air Force? Just just really excited. Like I said, I'm I'm really happy. It's like I, <laughs> I'm already counting down the days till next season. It it was, it was a lot of fun. And I I said in my wrap up blog that I was, I was being 100 percent genuine. There's no recency bias when I say that this was my favorite season in recent memory. The storylines were unbelievable. Um, go check that out if you haven't had a chance. And it, it was crazy to think that when I went back on Twitter too, I I even left some of them out. Um, and, and even a, like another loss that we're having this season is Mike Schmidt, who obviously um, his impact wasn't as wasn't as far reaching um, over his his time at the academy. But like that Hawaii game, like come on, I still dream about that game. Yeah, no, that was yeah. a cool moment for sure. And I mean, yeah, great great season. So much to look forward to. You got to be feeling in a good spot, and and uh, I'm happy for you, Scott, because I feel like it's sometimes during the season, you know. You just get, especially after the Navy loss, you know, and I can understand being down because both the Mount, Mountain West and CIC were gone at that point, essentially. Um, but the way they ran the table and to get to get you excited, looking forward to next season, and and yeah, I mean they 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 get Purdue, I believe, too, right next year. Is that right? Um, so yep. I mean, they get they get yep. a, another big Power Five game. They beat two Power Five teams this year, um, two Pac-12 teams, uh, and so yeah, I mean, so much to look forward to um, with Air Force. So. Let's take one more break. When we come back, we're going to talk um, Liberty Bowl and what Navy has to look forward to um, in the post-Malcolm Perry era. Okay, welcome back to the Against All Enemies podcast. And we just got done talking to Air Force, Cheese a Bowl, 11-2 and two season. Um, what we didn't talk about was, was ranking right at the end of the year when everything settles. Uh, potentially a top 20 finish for Air Force. Um, they're, going to be, they're going to be flirting around there, right, Scott? Yeah, should be. Uh, I have I haven't done all the calculations with the wins and losses in the bowl games, but I I think we were we're slated to go up. Yeah, I mean I think they'll be close to the top twenty team, and they'll be joined uh, certainly right there by uh, the Navy midshipmen. So we already talked Army Navy a little bit, but um, Austin, break down the Liberty Bowl for us. What a great win! Another service captain win over a Power Five team, a Kansas State team that beat Oklahoma this year, um, and 
certainly has more offense than they displayed against Navy. Um, so, I mean, yeah, just break down that game, that crazy fourth down call, the trick play. I mean, so so many great parts of that game, too. Um, so, I mean, yeah, well, I mean, that's the most recent game. It's only, I guess, a week old now, or maybe not even quite a week old, right? So, yeah, game game was on New Year's Eve, right? So watching that at my in-laws' house before we uh, went out to watch some fireworks, and it was actually the one live tweeting it. The internet wasn't the best that they had, so I was trying to persevere through that. But uh, at one point, I got excited about something, and my, my in-laws were like, "Oh, he gets really excited about the game or something." And Kara said, uh, he, "You know, this actually isn't that bad." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was like, "He's, he's subdued. He's pretty tame right now." Yeah. I was like, "Yeah, I'm trying to be." You know, yeah, I'm not in my own, own living room, room, so I'm trying to treat this well, a little you, differently. You have some experience in the press box now, right? So, like, you, you understand how to, to keep it. I can play the stoic that. cards, oh, I yeah. suppose, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, that game, if you look at the stats, I don't have them in front of me, but it was Navy at, like, over 400 yards of offense, and I don't think Kansas State hit 200, maybe. Didn't get a touchdown offensively until late in the fourth quarter. Uh, but still it came down to making a field goal, you know, last second field goal to win the game. Uh, and that was just the craziest part about the game is I really felt like Navy was dominating the whole time. And a big part of that was Malcolm Perry and his playmaking ability. Uh, but in this game, which was different from the army Navy game is Navy got the slots a little bit more involved. Um, that I think opened some lanes up, which gave Navy a better opportunity for the big breakout plays. But, uh, only 17 points, I think, heading into the fourth quarter, right? Had some field goals, missed a field goal. Uh, but, yeah, the fourth and three call, the the biggest play call I've ever seen in terms of a Navy game that I can at least recall. I'm sure I could sit back and really think about something big in a service academy game, which is bigger. But this just being fourth and three uh, with the, the halfback toss into a, a throw down field, which if that ball is not caught if that's incomplete or at least not a first down conversion that's about at midfield and Kansas State has all three of their timeouts left and just needs 20 or 30 yards to get a crack at a field goal and have a shot to win that game um so that was that was very possible with that pass and too often I think as a Navy fan you've seen that play not work you've seen it work as well but you've seen it not work and you're like oh you had him and you overthrew him by you know a couple yards but that's not what happened and they persevered and able to able to get that field goal to win the game and Bijan Nichols kind of makes up for his missed field goal earlier and uh, it was it was just a fun fun way to see Navy put a good season together. Um, kind of a similar storyline with Air Force that uh, they deserved it. Kansas State was a very good team, um, going eight and four in the year, beating Oklahoma as you mentioned. Like that's that's a tough squad to get a win over, and uh, very fortunate to do so. Beat the Big Twelve uh, in a pretty prestigious bowl game. You know, if you were twenty years ago, for sure the Liberty Bowl was a premier bowl game. So it's uh, it's stood the test of time, and it's it's a good bowl, good win. Good win. Yeah, I mean, beating the Big 12 is always fun in a bowl game. I think back to the, the Mizzou win. I think that was you know, before they were in the SEC when they had uh, Blaine Gabbard or whoever it was, at quarterback at the time. And uh, I just, it's just always fun with those teams and their fan bases. I think you even mentioned that on Twitter or on Slack or something um, when they start the meltdown. We really should start a Service Academy meltdown thread Especially when we play, That's a good point. Power five teams. Uh, I look, I look boards. every week, man. Because it really would be do. amazing. Yeah, it's great. We should start doing that. Let's do that next year for uh, for some some posts whenever we play power five teams. Because um, it's so consistent and so great, and it's very similar. I felt like to that Mizzou Texas Bowl win um, that Ricky Dobbs got. If you remember that game, I'm sure you did. Yeah, um, you know, I I had posed a question on my Twitter. Uh, what was the biggest Navy Bowl 
win uh, in the Paul Johnson, Ken Namatololo era. And I think this one is it, uh, this Liberty Bowl win. I would say second is the Texas Bowl win over Houston. Then I had third as the military, or not over Houston, over uh, Mizzou in Houston. And then the third one being military bowl win over Pitt. Those are my top three in order. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so just so 421 yards of, I think, if I just did that math right, of offense for Navy. That sounds about right. Um, and 170 yards of offense yeah, for yeah. Kansas State. 46 yards rushing on 27 carries. Yeah, that's the greatest thing, too, is it's a Big 12 team that you can argue Big 12 doesn't play defense. <laughs> but um, different different athletes so we hear all the time right like you think a big 12 team would be able to carve up a navy defense not so it was fun to watch yeah well i guess that brings us to unless uh scott kayla have any thoughts on the the liberty bowl um there was one thing i wanted to bring up about it if i can get it right here um we didn't talk about the we didn't talk about the uh the bowl gifts and for the Liberty Bowl, they got a Bass Pro Shops um, shopping trip. They got a Bose SoundLink color Bluetooth speaker. Um, what else did they get? They got a watch, and then they got a backpack and some clothes. Nice. It's not bad. So, so do, I guess if you're you, not into hunting and fishing, I don't listen, know. Listen, do you know how many cherry sours you can buy <laughs> shopping spree at Bass Pro Shops? <laughs> yeah. You never, Kayla. You've never had a cherry sour from Bass Pro Shop. I have not. I've heard of. I've heard of it, oh, but I've man. never had one. I don't know what it is, man. Those things, like right now, I'm yeah, feeling I really like a one. I have a hundred dollars in Cabela's gift cards right now. I'm gonna go get one. There you go. There you go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just a great game, Kayla. Do you, do you have any thoughts on? Um, I would. The bowl just, game I or? mean, it was like entertaining. Like we've already said, entertaining to see. I think this is. Um, you know, watching the Army Navy is my second time being able to see Navy play in person. And like Scott had already mentioned, I think both Navy and Air Force kind of play a different version, right, of the triple option. I think it was really entertaining to see a lot of the kind of creative plays that they were kind of about, uh, kind of able to pull out and see Malcolm Perry. I think he's just a really, really intelligent um, quarterback. Um, I wasn't surprised at all. I was <laughs> when I was watching um, I, by halftime. I was like, okay, this is pretty much the Navy team. I've, I've been you know, watching all year dominate pretty much. But, yeah, it was definitely an entertaining entertaining bowl game, to say the least, Na- naturally, because I had no bowl game for Army to watch, unfortunately. So I had to watch some of those. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, meant to, I meant to mention some numbers in this that were not necessarily uh, yard, yard gained or touchdowns or anything like that. So I found some viewership uh, bowl, bowl game ratings. So the uh, Armed Forces... Sorry, not the Armed Forces Bowl. <laughs> the Cheese It Bowl. Like I almost just put you in the Armed Forces Bowl just because that's what we thought was going to happen. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> 2.6 million viewers, right? The uh, Liberty Bowl was 3.3 million viewers. Part of that is the day. It's New Year's Eve. Like Less people are at work, just sitting around watching the game, turn it on. Um, to put that in comparison, the Fiesta Bowl had 21.2 million viewers, which is wow. crazy. But then I wanted to see how that compared to some other games. So the Army-Navy game was at 7.7 million, which is pretty high, right? Not bad. The Pac-12 championship was 5.9 million, so Army-Navy had more than that. The AAC championship game was 2.9 million, so about the same as, or less than the the Navy Bowl game and about the same as the Air Force Bowl game. Mountain West championship game was 550,000 people. 
Uh, and to compare that to the uh, SEC at $13.7 million for the SEC championship game. So found those numbers interesting. I don't know. I'm kind of a nerd when I think of that kind of stuff. So uh, I'd love to chart that out and draw some comparisons. Obviously, it's not necessarily apples to apples because it's different TV stations and different times, different days, all that kind of stuff. One more numbers thing I have for us because Scott brought up Malcolm Perry and you know maybe not be able to make it in the Oh, he didn't say he wasn't going to make it in the NFL, but you mentioned he's just a world-class athlete or something like that, right? What were your yeah, words? I I, yeah, something I like said that. I think he he is. I could see him going to like the Olympics for curling or something. Yeah, <laughs> curling. Let me get Price on that. Though. That's single-season rushing and by a quarterback record holder, Malcolm Perry. You Scott. <laughs> yeah. Listen on so this. Malcolm. So this is certainly the exception and not the rule. But there was a former college quarterback turned receiver who's done very well for himself by the name of Julian Edelman, who, when he was getting drafted, was five. his draft profile had him at 5'10", 195. Malcolm Perry is listed as 5'9", 190. Obviously, Julian Edelman has put on a lot of weight uh, since then and has bulked up for sure. And I don't think that's what we're going to see in Malcolm Perry in 10 years. But to think statistically, like, we've seen this before in the NFL. Look, Malcolm Perry has moves that Julian Edelman doesn't have. Now, Julian Edelman can run some of the best routes in the NFL. Um, but there's no doubt that just from a running perspective, talent-wise, that, that Malcolm has a, a place potentially, and he's going to get a look. Um, I want to actually I wanna get to that. Uh, let's finish the Navy talk, specifically the Navy, and then we can look ahead for all, for all three teams towards um, – Potential futures in professional oh, football. I got, no, I got, no, no, I got, no, 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 I got excited. No, I saw numbers. I wrote them numbers. down. You're good. Um, here, so let's look ahead to next year. We know Malcolm Perry is going to be gone. Perry Olson is presumed, you know, going to step in, um, unless a freshman. You know, I know there are. Um, there's a couple of good kids at Naps um, this year, but we assume Perry Olson kind of is going to step into that role. But um, is it crazy to say, Austin, looking ahead to next year, that for the first time? since we've both been fans of Navy, that Navy is going to, yeah, Navy, <laughs> Navy, the, the defense is going to carry the team next year. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't necessarily jump to carry the team at this point, but I would say in, cause we've always turned out like new players on offense on a year by year basis with Ivan. That just seems to work out. Um, but to go into the off season, knowing there's more comfort in the defense than in the offense in terms of where, what we know today uh, is definitely a new feeling, definitely different. And, and that's not to say, I mean, I if you can't trust Ivan at this point, like, what are exactly. we doing? Right? He's done it with everybody. So to think that Perry Olson has gotten an entire year, he's gotten game reps, he's been, you know, he's been the number two guy pretty much all season. So he's been having to prepare like he was gonna have to go in at any point. I mean, to think Ivan's not gonna get him ready is is ludicrous. Um, you know, he does not have some of the innate skills, perhaps, that Malcolm Perry has, but I'm sure he has some other ones that Perry doesn't, just being a little more bruising, being able to maybe break tackles. But, you know, things like, I don't know. Um, but that's not to say that the cupboard is bare on offense, right? Jamel Carruthers um, was a huge, you know, bright spot this year coming back. Michael Cooper, you know, um, several other slot backs that, you know, that should be back and good as well. Um, but it is just crazy thinking about how, young the defense is and how the majority of the defensive playmakers um, are going to be back next year. And several of them still have two years to go. Yeah. Like Diego yeah. Figo, right? Figo is a Figo, sophomore. Figo. Springer, um, Springer, Junior. junior. I, don't, 
Not yeah, I think so. Mikey McMorris, I believe, is a sophomore though, right? Um, but then you had Talma Tuatelli who got hurt earlier in the year as a freshman. Yep. He's gonna be good next who was, year. Who, who was having a great year? Um, so I mean, yeah, just you you feel more comfortable. I guess that's the best way, better way to say it. Uh, given what Newberry did this year and what's coming back next year um, in the defense, and if you couple that with believing that Ivan will get Perry Olson ready and everything else will click, you know, somewhat into place on offense, you got to be feeling pretty good, right? Yeah, I mean, I am. I I can't get used to ex- or the expectation can't be eleven wins every year or being in an AAC title race every single season. Um, but where I am today compared to where I was twelve months ago, and at least just getting bowl eligibility, which I think is a big goal, and being able to at this well now it would be win and retain the CIC trophy, and thinking that's a possibility at this point is is a much better January feel than January twenty nineteen. Yeah, and and I don't know. I, I'm excited. Scott, you got any thoughts? Kaylee, got any thoughts on Navy looking ahead to 2020? Um, so I think the the big key to this season's success for Navy, and I've said it all season, was their coaching staff. I think that Newberry was fantastic, and I think that they're going to be returning a lot of players, namely Diego Figo. That's he's a huge impact player on the defense, but I also kind of think that Malcolm Perry is a really, really big loss. And even with great coaching, even with being able to uh, prepare Perry Olsen, it's going to be an uphill battle. And especially like just looking back to the Navy Air Force game, I think if you, I, I think that Malcolm Perry was the deciding factor for Navy in that game. I mean, yeah, he was a lot of the break. Not just that game, the... multiple games this year. <laughs> yeah, multiple yeah, games. yeah, yeah. But yeah. just just speaking of that specifically, and, and I wonder, even with great coaching, if you put almost anybody else in there, if that game still goes Navy. So um, I do completely agree that the defense is going to carry the is going to carry the team next year. Um, I think that, like you said, they do have plenty of time. Give Perry Olsen the team, let him kind of embrace that leadership role, um, and we'll see. But it's gonna be it's kind of it's kind of up to him. And and you mentioned Julian Elman, and people still love to talk about Tom Brady and how oh they were this this guy who didn't get a lot of hype coming into the league and that kind of thing. And the reason why is because they were undersized, they were slower, they maybe didn't have the IQ where they needed to be, but they worked hard in the off season. Same thing with, like, Trey Bug, for example. Um, who would have predicted that Trey Bug was actually going to put on 10 pounds and and become a much better player than he was last year and now and then have a, a play on top 10? And so it's the same thing. Like, I believe that, yes, I won't be surprised at all if, if Perry Olsen comes in and ha- does just as well as Malcolm Perry did and made just as many highlight plays. But it's kind of in his hands right now. You know, we're now 10 months away from the season, so it's, a, it's just a big wait and see. I won't be surprised if he does. Um, but at the same time, if it's kind of like, man, they just aren't up to snuff with the way they were last year, that won't surprise me either. I, I, I guess I'm just like, I'm not expecting him to be Malcolm Perry and to have the highlight reel plays, honestly. Like, I think that, that there's some things that, like Coach Ken has said, just a gift that Malcolm Perry has that other people don't have um, as far as his ability to cut and run and turn on a dime. Um, but I, I do believe that Ivan has proven that whether it's Wilworth or – you know, whoever, whoever it may be, he, he's, he's able to get any type of option quarterback prepared. And um, it just, it'll come down to, to me to Perry Olsen, just operating the system, right? Operating within the system, getting the team, getting the, the team in the right play, executing the play, 
um, and you know, and and maybe relying on the defense some, um, and just not doing too much. I guess is that, that's how I envision twenty twenty playing out um, for Navy. And if they do that, then I think they'll be successful. Agree. Um, and, and you know, they start the year with Notre Dame right in Ireland, um, and I'm actually kind of happy about that. Like, get the Notre Dame game out of the way, week one, <laughs> week zero, whatever it is. Um, in Ireland, did not go well in Ireland last time. Navy was there against Notre Dame, um, and you know, but but get that out of the way, and then you know, the whole season pretty much is in front of you from that point. Um, and yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting, interesting to see some coaching changes in in the West Division of the AAC. Right, Norvell's moved on. Um, you know, Navy's got USF, but that's got a new coach and Jeff Scott. Um, you know, some teams that have definitely been on the rise, but. Uh, anyways, it's going to be an interesting season for sure, but um, definitely something to be excited about. I will say, I'm I wish that the the Notre Dame game was still in the same slot because I, that was the most excited I was for a game all season. Probably <laughs> if you consider everything, because I was like, "Is Navy about to do this?" And then they kicked off, and I was like, "Oh yeah," <laughs> but still, yeah, that's why I'm I'm kind of just week one get it out of the way next year, and and I know that sounds terrible. I don't I don't really mean it like that. I just mean. Um, you know, in, in the grand no, scheme know, of th- but, in the grand scheme of things yeah, this year, picture. that game didn't didn't yeah. matter, right? Like at all, hardly. You know, if they would have won, it would have been really cool. Um, but you know, that's gone out of the way week one, and then it's like, okay, CIC and AAC are all all in front of you, and you've got a you know a pretty um, great test that week to to gear up for. And Perry Olson will have had you know a huge game against a really really good opponent um, in the beginning, and so something to build off of all those sorts of things. Um, last thing, let's look at, um, we already mentioned Malcolm Perry, you know, outside of that, you know, I've mentioned Elijah Riley. Um, is it possible we have, you know, more than one service Academy football player drafted in the draft this year, the NFL draft? Hmm. Yeah, I'd say it's a possibility there. (laughs) I have no idea. And, and, and am I missing anybody? You know, those are the two that come to mind for me that I think will, will get a shot. Um, potentially being drafted, but Scott, is there anybody on, on Air Force you think that, that may get a look? Um, and then even outside of getting drafted, if it's a, you know, someone you think will really get a shot at, at a um, at a deal after after the draft. I have no idea, and the reason why is because the uh, the players that Air Force has in the has in the NFL currently. Um, and who got looks for the most part, it was not the players that you would think it was Austin cutting. I, you didn't hear anything about now. He's, he's, uh, they won today on the Minnesota Vikings and he's their, their lone long snapper. Um, Garrett Griffin. I mean, we have his story on the against all enemies website. Um, he basically told me that the week of graduation was when he found out he was going. And now, unfortunately he's on, um, inactive reserve, but he caught a, caught a touchdown pass in the playoffs last year. So it's like, um, I, I just really have no idea. I do think that potentially we could get a special teams kind of guy, somebody who's maybe more of an all-around player. Um, I mean, Jeremy Fendulum, his he's a little undersized, but his brother um, plays for the Bengals, so that's always a possibility that with his brother's agent, maybe his counsel um, can help him out a little bit of that, like a little mentorship, maybe get a look. Um, I'm just not sure is really what it comes down to. I don't think that we have necessarily like a Jalen Robinette type to where it's like, okay, this guy's probably NFL ready right now, but I'm sure there's going to be somebody who gets it. I mean, after an 11, 11 and two season, somebody had to have been watching. Yeah. So Jeremy was the one that I, I 
my initial thought was that would have the best potential look. I don't know um, Mo Fafita's kind of uh, chances there. I'm not sure. I really don't know. I'm not going to pretend like I know how to scout a defensive lineman. He's just a very big guy, and he makes a lot of you know impact plays for sure. Um, but what about Gerard Sanders? I don't know too if he gets a you know potentially gets a look just because of his size and 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 things. But I mean, definitely some possibilities there. Um, yeah, maybe sure. like a special teams type situation with him, and then just feel it out. The other thing is, is you, like I think that one of the things that really goes undervalued is is or kind of underlooked is that is the value that you're getting with a service academy athlete. These guys have limited resources and limited capabilities to put on size and really develop themselves. Obviously the coaching staffs at all the, all the academies are world-class, but you are limited just because of the training and the standards that you have. So if you are the right kind of person and you can look at a guy and say, okay, we can physically um, build them in the right way and make them NFL caliber using the experience and talent that they do have. It's like, I think that that could be something that's, that has a lot of potential. So I even looking forward and obviously this would be next year, but I think Jordan Jackson is definitely one of those guys. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so my prediction is that Elijah Riley and Malcolm Perry get drafted. But I like what that. Do you, th- do you think Malcolm Perry gets drafted as like a wide receiver? Or yes. What do you think? Yes. Okay. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I think that, I think that he, I, I, I think both of them will get, will get drafted, you know, late round. Um, draft picks for sure. Um, that's that's just my thought, and that'll be exciting to have you know multiple service academy athletes potentially getting drafted. Um, so it, it'll be cool. Uh, any final thoughts? Uh, you know, we just talked for an hour and fifteen minutes, uh, kind of wrapping up the season, but on the twenty nineteen um, football season as we move into the off season. I will say on quick, just because I just was you know going through my notes of, about all the other players, obviously Arise. Elijah Riley was top of my head, but also Cole Christensen um, is going to be playing in the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, which I didn't even know was a thing. Um, but it's in Pasadena, in California, on January 18th. And then Connor Slomka, this you know the next couple of days is going to be in the College Gridiron Showcase in Fort Worth for the next couple of days. Um, so not necessarily. Um, <clears throat> I mean, for me, watching the team, I do think of them very much on kind of like this high caliber and skill, and of course seeing them in person. So. Um, I don't know, maybe later in the draft, if that's something that they're thinking about, um, perhaps. But definitely, um, I, I could see also Cole Christensen um, as being one. I think he has a lot of grit, a lot of leadership capabilities. Um, I think you know, he's team captain this year. Um, so definitely definitely a couple other players um, to kind of come to mind immediately when I was kind of looking through my notes and kind of going through, you know, watching everybody play uh, this year that could kind of have some NFL uh, you know, probability. We'll see. Yeah, and at a minimum, those those games, those showcase games, they get your name out there, and they're great networking opportunities. So even if they they don't get it right away, it at least gets their names in some of the the, the scouts' minds for potentially workouts and things like that. Yeah, good point. And another question on that is, what's going to happen when uh, one of these players has an opportunity to be play like in the XFL? You know, like <laughs> is the DOD is the DOD going to let that happen? I don't know. I don't know. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what will happen there. Um, And it's not, right, it's service-specific still, right? It's not just DOD. Yeah. Um, As we've seen with Noah Song getting turned down, essentially, right? So, um, but yeah, you're right. True, true. A whole whole other discussion for a whole other podcast. Um, But I agree. Cole Christensen, you know, and and I think isn't um, Navy's long snapper is at that NFLPA Collegiate Bowl as well. Um, 
Pfeiffer, Michael yeah. Pfeiffer. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, you know another another service academy long snapper there that's going to get um, potentially get a look as well. So yeah, I mean the, the, it is exciting to to have those possibilities out there. But um, all right, so let's let's wrap it up here. If anybody stayed with us for an hour and twenty minutes, um, if you had one word to sum up the twenty nineteen college football season for your team or service academy teams in general, what would that one one word be? Putting you on the spot. I'll go first. Navy, I would say fulfilling. Air Force, memorable. Army, frustrating. frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we will uh, we'll catch you guys, uh, you know, in a couple weeks. So we will probably, I know it's been, we, we had the holidays, um, but uh, this will kind of conclude probably our every week um recording schedule that we did during the season so look for every other week or every you know three weeks or so we'll uh we'll be um you know hit up some basketball hit up some lacrosse and and baseball when those things start and then spring practice starts and and look ahead um to next year but will not be an every week occurrence for us uh, more than likely you know here in the winter and and early spring so um but we'll still be still be keeping you up with the spring sports um and all the off-season football stuff Uh, and look forward to talking more Service Academy athletics uh, with you in the future. Congratulations to the Navy midshipmen. Winners of the Commander in Chief's Trophy, the great Air Force Falcons.